the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Well, folks, welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. And if you're watching the video, you're going to see I have a full room here today. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I have the one, the only, the immortal, Stan Campbell, a.k.a. I don't know what my AKA oh, is. Oh, come on now. <laughs> come on, baby. Tell me who your AKA is. It's Fire Line Radio Show, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he is the uh, uh, COO of, of CCW Safe, which is the best legal services you absolutely need if you're a firearm owner or just don't want to go to jail for defending your life. <laughs> to his right, I have Jason Mayashiro. Jason Mayashiro is the intergalactic IDPA champion. <laughs> Western. He, Western Intergalactic IDPA champion. This man is amazing. He is a machine on the course. And then to the right, I have Mike Zingali. Mike Zing, you know, Zingali is just fun to say. <laughs> Italian. <laughs> really? Yep. You're not Mick Zingali? No. Nope. Zingali. It's, anyway, I met Mike a couple of weeks ago at a practical pistol course in West End. Where he was running a pretty fast gun, man. It was it was it was fun to watch. It's definitely faster than I am. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that was that was a long day for me, but that was a whole different whole different time out there, folks. So we're going to be talking about using your pistols, self defense, practicing, being competent with what you have, and some of the the reasons that you want to make sure not only are you competent, but you understand the rules of engagement. So let me start off with you, Stan. Just yes, kind sir. of going over some of those things. Okay, so we're starting with self-defense. Self-defense. Okay. Wow, it's so broad. But um, if you are thinking about owning a firearm or you own a firearm, um, it's not just about time on the range. Uh, you have to consider, um, you know, truly having the mindset of defending yourself, um, you know, understanding self-defense, you know, understanding the rules of engagement, meaning in your particular state, I'm talking about California now. Uh, make sure you're studied up on, you know, all of your laws associated with when you can use deadly force, when you can actually put your hand on your weapon and display it um, to force someone back. Um, and also all the things associated with um, protecting your weapon. A lot of people don't think about that. Uh, you have to think about, you know, what if somebody grabbed your firearm while it was in the holster? Uh, what if they attacked your weapon while you were uh, while you had it displayed or, or, or pointed toward them? Uh, these are things that people don't think about. So, you know, picking up on a self-defense class, all of those things are really, really important. We just had a lunatic in our state legislature try and pass a law about the necessary use of force. So for police officers, they want to have the standard that not just reasonable use of force, mm -hmm. 
but that the police officer has to prove it was a necessary use of force before the discharge of a firearm. Mm-hmm. So if that's the standard, the People's Republic of Occupied California wants to hold for police officers, yes. what's that going to be for the private citizen? Well, let's start off by uh, stating that, you know, most encounters um, in reference to defending your life, um, be it an ambush or, um, you know, something that's scalable or, you know, uh, you know, it, 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 the escalation goes up uh, in force. Um, a lot of I mean, it happens within minutes, uh, sometimes seconds, you know, some of the uh, especially with police officers, although they, they train the most in reference to engaging someone that or should or should. He always does that. <laughs> I was on a flow, Phil. Stand down. Now, now I'm gonna be a cop. Now stand down. I'm gonna de- I'm gonna de-escalate you. Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so what I was saying was, you know, uh, it's a split second decisions, and you know, um, you know, to to make it so that it is, you know, required that it was truly necessary. You know that a lot of times lies with. You know, those who actually judge the the act afterwards. Right. And so you can't what you're doing is slowing everyone down, really. Not to say that the slowdown isn't important sometimes because you do need to, you know, actually identify that it is a weapon. Mm-hmm. So we don't want them to be too quick. You know, when someone pulls out a, a wallet or something like that on the police side. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you hold them to. You know, um, if that standard is way too high and you you allow them to or you force them to um, hesitate, it could cause for a lot more officers to be killed. Uh, One thing that we don't want to happen is officers to be forced to wait for bullets to be coming their direction and know for sure that it's a bullet. Yeah, those are those are kind of like the uh, rules of engagement in Somalia and uh, the original uh, Gulf Wars. You know, you had to had to be shot like close to you before you could return fire. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't want that in our police departments. Correct. Uh, so I mean, it's military um, rules of engagement, and you know, you know, what police officers are, are held to should not be the same. Shouldn't be the same standard. So um, you know, it's really crazy to say that that should happen. Um, now there should be some movement in between there. Yes, uh, but that goes along with training. Like I told you, if you train your officers a little bit better, you also give them better equipment. Um, they may not go to gun as fast, so mm-hmm. less lethal um, equipment, which should be given by the guy. I, I had a very good discussion with a gentleman last week, and he, he works for a local PD. He's on the SWAT. He's black belt in jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. and something in judo. But, I mean, he's he's a real deal with a weapon and hand-to-hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. And my conversation with him is, what, what do you think is the confidence level of the average police officer if they have to go hand to hand? And it's probably not very high. It's not high at all. Especially you know, if you've got somebody jacked up coming out of jail. That's correct. I mean, there's people that are committed, of course. Um, you were on our podcast, um, you know, and I, I was actually, it was the one before that I was actually discussing um, a committed predator that approached me in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And he was committed, you know, in reference to the conflict. I still shut him down, but. Um, yeah, he did. Before he had a chance, you know, but I also had to be more aggressive than than normal. And, um, you know, sometimes it takes that. But thinking about what you're saying, you know, training is the key. When you talk about officers and I trained officers while well, he's asking me this question, I did train officers for 15 years nationally. Across the board, officers that don't train as much. There might be once a year, possibly 
and some of them just in the academy, and then that's it. Then right. they have to train on their own. Then you get twice a year that they qualify, unless you're LAPD, they qualify once a month. But it really doesn't matter if you don't put hands on. You don't have any hands on training uh, because that's what happens mostly is you go hands on first. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that confidence, confidence, then you're going to really go to the gun a lot faster because you know that they, you can't actually handle a person in right. the physical realm. I mean, you you are a six foot two, big strong guy. You're going to have the ability to six foot. You know. It's a close. He's talking about me. <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> Stop trying You're to make very me strong seem guy. very, very strong guy. Um, I'm and, not a monster. <laughs> Monsters a frame of mind. <laughs> but the point is, you have an intimidation factor when you walk in. Now, I've seen some officers who are the most lethal part about them is they could pop a button and send it into somebody's eye because their shirt's so tight because they've been too many trips down to Winchell's, right? And Mm-mm. You know, they know they're not going to chase a guy over a fence. Correct. And or there's some other people. I mean, the old rules at LAPD back in the 100 years ago was, you know, you had to have a certain height level. You had to have yeah. a certain strength level. Or yeah. They didn't even put you in the academy. And now you come in there and there's there's ladies. And I'm sorry, but a lady could be five foot two and a fully mm-hmm. functional police officer. She might be great at dealing with people, but she's going to need backup physically more often than or have to reach for her gun faster than somebody else. And I think they put them at a disadvantage to that. Yeah. Just to piggyback that, um, you know, times have changed in about really about 15 years ago. Um, you know, the leading agencies and the top 50 agencies from across the nation, the, their chiefs get together and they kind of decide, you know, what's best practice and different things like that. And they'll change policies, you know, to associate the larger agencies. And when they do that, um, 15, about 15 years, they went away from anybody with exposed tattoos. So um, they wouldn't hire them. So you either have to get them zapped off or you, you just couldn't get, become a cop. And when they do stuff like that, you know, they walked away from the military guys, you know, um, and, and just anybody that, you know, likes artwork. And uh, but a lot of times when you walk away from people that have an un- understanding of rules of engagement, integrity, honor, you know, all of those things um, and service, you know, you end up getting what they have now. And they went to more hiring, you know, those with college degrees and those who wanted to be computer operators and mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh, they can't find a job. So they become policemen and they say and, and there's some studies that I don't believe in. There's some studies that they, that's been done by a lot of these uh, you know, leading colleges and universities about the college student will use less force and that's not true Mm-mm. you know um, well they might use they might not be hands-on as often but when they have to go they have to go to the and that's the, the whole thing it is they 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 actually end up using more deadly lethal force, force. They right. use more lethal force because you know it's about all about fear that's what it comes down to yep. training and fear yep. and if you have less training you have more fear i was on swat as well for 10 years you know those who had the most training you know, people like myself and the SWAT team, the, the street crime units, the gang units, all of those guys, the fear level is a lot lower. And they, they actually use them. less force, you know, because they can actually use the verbal judo and talk people down, Absolutely. you know. Well, we can learn more about your verbal judo when we come back. This is Philip Naiman, FiringLineRadio.com. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step 
and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Hey, folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. And you know that according to the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, the rights of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, Memorial Day is this Monday, May 27th, when we honor those men and women who have given the ultimate sacrifice to preserve their rights along with others that we've been giving as Americans. Our faithful sponsor, Bullseye Sport, proudly salutes all who have served and laid down their lives for our freedom. God bless their families and God bless America. Exercise your rights and freedoms as Americans. If you're not armed for protection or recreation, well, shame on you. Go down to Bullseye Sport in Riverside where you need to go for handguns, rifles, shotguns, ammo, accessories, and much more. Bullseye Sport of Riverside is on Facebook, Instagram, and at BullseyeSport.com. That's Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo on Brockton between Arlington and Central in Riverside. 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport, where the Inland Empire gets their guns and ammo. That would be 951-823-0211. Go see them, have a good time, buy some extra stuff. And again, we salute everybody Memorial Day weekend this weekend and uh, realize that it's not just a day off of work, but we are actually trying to... Give honor to those who have fought and fallen. Folks, joining me back here on the show, I have Stan Campbell, CCW Safe, Jason Mayashiro, Western Intergalactical Champion <laughs> of IDPA, <laughs> and Mike Zingali, up and coming. He's going to give Jason a, a run for his money here soon. So we're going to talk more about self-defense and shooting. As we just came off the, the air on the last program, uh, Stan was, was he has a lot of law enforcement experience. He was talking a little bit about verbal judo yes sir so what is that well do you have a black belt in verbal judo 
I can't say that I do. <laughs> you know what? I, you know, I'm actually again verbal judo, I, I, and I apologize. I do not under, know the man's name any longer. But um, in um, 1991, when I went to the academy, man, I'm old. When I went to the academy um, in 91, that's one of the courses that they taught, and it, it's taught by a professor that, um, and it's pretty much you know the older version of what we do now, which is de-escalation training. You know, some type of de-escalation training. And, you know, everybody just kind of throw, they just throw names on the you know, new names on old stuff. And it's pretty much talking someone down, having an understanding of dealing with people, um, you know, in a, um, a in a conflict situation um, and try as they're escalating to deescalate the person. Um, you know, a lot of times a lot of this has to do with ego and fear. And when you recognize that and you have yours in check, you can control the other person, actually win the fight before. Right. Any hands on. And that is, you know, making them calm down, having an understanding sometimes even to, you know, um, compromise in their thought just to make them calm down so that you don't have to go hands on and then go and grab your weapon. Um, but one of the things that we were discussing as well is that it's not taught as much. And here's the really big problem nationally when we're still talking about police right now, not citizens. De-escalating, de-escalation and de-escalating training is only taught about 10% of their academy time. 90% of the time, escalation is, is taught. So when you do that in a short period of time, be it a five-month academy, a six-month academy, when you run into a situation, and especially like we talked about the college students, I'm sorry, I don't have to talk about you guys. And they've only had, they've only fought on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're really good at this. Just hit, hit the reset button. Yes. Yep. You know, when they actually have true conflict, you know, we run into a problem and they escalate faster. So now you're teaching them 90 percent of the time you you teach escalation. And when when they have stress or trauma or an attack come at them, they go to what they're taught the most, which is pulling the gun out. And so our training is flawed nationally as, you know, police go. I would think that as a police officer, Mm -hmm. which I'm not, I don't even play one on TV, but. I would think that you would want to practice self-defense. You'd want to be in BJJ. You'd you'd want to have a good striking. You know, you would want to do that because you're out there on your line. You know, the last thing you want to do is be brought up on charges because you defended yourself with the firearm mm-hmm. and the guy had a comb. But, you know, I mean, it just, it seems like it would take that level of fear off and give them more competence that, I don't know, maybe it should be required because it's, it's so important. And, and there are a lot of good officers. I see them out there. I know that they're practicing and I can tell who's got game and who doesn't. Yes. Or at least looks like it. Yes. Right. But, but it's, it should be important to them that you want to go home at night. Why don't you want to have a black belt in A, B, C, or D, right? Well, you know, and you're right. And it comes down to you doing it on your own. You know, these police departments, they they don't give you any true incentive to do so. They shouldn't um, have to. They shouldn't. You're right. I mean, you are. I mean, what it comes to, it's, it's like looking at the teachers, you know. I mean, police officers are not paid a lot of money. So they end up having to work extra jobs and do security details and stuff like that. So not giving them yeah. time. But you have to have the mindset. I missed your joke. I said sell dope. Wow. What the <laughs> What kind of show is this? <laughs> no, keep no sell dope. Yeah, <laughs> keep it real. Uh, no, not sell dope. Not sell dope. Okay, stop it. So we're talking about, um, you know, like really, you know, it, it comes down to, you know, you wanting to 
preserve your life yeah. in these situations. Like when, when I taught the academy, and I, I discussed this before, when I taught the academy, you know, um, I would actually, especially in, in, in gun retention exercises, mm-hmm. if I knew that I had a timid officer, and it's not always the females, right? So timid officers, as they're trying to take my, uh, knock my arm off, if they if if they can't get my hand off their gun, I would slap the mm-hmm. crap out of them. <laughs> Like a real man slap, <laughs> cupped hand like harder than a punch. <laughs> Until they start crying, like grown men crying. I'm not playing, and I would make them cry. Well, the reason why I did that is because if you can't deal with the pressures of this and the pain that I'm delivering in this sterile with environment, open hand, yeah. with an open hand, you're not going to be able to take a punch. And that's the problem with those people that we talked about half the time. They can't. Oh, well, they haven't. They you know, haven't. You're right. You know, I know like my son, okay, he grew up nice schools and stuff like that. He's never been in a fist fight. Yeah. See, and, and the problem is this. I, I talk about my son too. I hate it. Millennials. Mm. We gave them bike helmets. I know. That's a problem. I had to. Yeah, I know. So we gave them bike helmets, gave them time out instead of beating them like we should have. <laughs> I got hit by a car several times. I got up and I had to man up. No hospital, none of that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like we brought up this soft group of people. And now here's the other thing. They're becoming police officers now. Yeah. Oh, well, what, what does Mike Tyson say? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. And and that and that's true. And and that's one thing that so we would put on boxing Actually, gloves and hit them in the face. Everybody, everybody has a plan. In the, in the, yeah. fate, in the that's face. those Brooklyn guys. They have light <laughs> voices, but they can be. Uh, I can't pick anybody with a light voice. <laughs> Shut up. He's a tough dude, though. He really right. is a tough dude. But anyway, you know, all, you know, I mean, all that you know being said, you know, guys, you really have to get out here and if you do not know how to defend yourself, and I am so serious with this, I mean, you, you have to match your time that you spend on the range, and that's indoor, outdoor with your time on the mat yep, or the, or the, or the boxing club or whatever. And if not, then your beautiful, you know, weapon of, of death and destruction is really nothing more than a paperweight. If somebody else could take it from you. You know, one of the things that uh, Redlands BJJ, they were talking about doing a course uh, teaching about jujitsu and weapon retention at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got tackled, you're on the ground, you know, the guy's grabbing it and, and you know, you got a safari land, uh, double, safety holster or something which yeah. can help save your life yes but still everybody's focused on the gun the last two citizen shootings that we worked uh, maddox on the ground he shot two hit the guy you know on the leg or mm-hmm. uh and then the guy was on top of him last three shots on the ground mm-hmm. and he and you know he had to push that away when i was back in oklahoma city visiting i talked about they, they were telling me about an office female officer that got attacked as well just like that she had to push the guy up off of her and her first shot went through her hand mm-hmm. wow. and bone fragments was found in his chest and so you have to learn how to be able to fight on the ground for your gun and shoot from the ground mm-hmm. that's and, a real thing and not shoot your hand not shoot your hand i mean that that's not <laughs> that's, a good practice but i mean she was just that scared than dying, i'm yeah. just saying i mean yeah she didn't want to die right. and that's all the room she had Right. Just get up just enough. So really, you know, I mean, whatever you have to do to survive. Yeah. But uh, it's one of those things where if you're not putting time on the mat, you're doing yourself a disservice. I agree. I agree. And and so now the other two guys we have here, uh, Jason and Mike, um, they're not law enforcement, but you do a lot of shooting practice. And that's really what comes up. Now, Mike, you've actually not shot that off or that for that long, right? Um, no, not really. One year, you said? Yeah, about a year and a half, right? almost. And Jason, you're about three years? Three years. Yeah. So this is interesting. We have 
amazing competitors here mm. with one year of dedication, three years of dedication. He's intergalactical champ. <laughs> <laughs> It's awesome. I love it. I mean, <laughs> thanks. So. We met him. I met him about three years ago. Yeah, maybe two and a half years ago, and he was just uh, the focus was amazing and the dedication. So I love talking with him because it's the same thing. He's bringing into the firearm game the practice that we're talking about that law enforcement officers should have. And, oh, and absolutely. All their so it's it's really amazing, folks. Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. We'll, we'll be right back after this at FiringLineRadio.com. Get the podcast so you can win our stuff. That's our new thing, giving out, giving away real soon here. FiringLineRadio.com. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn? Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans, lay down your weapons. Persians, come and get them. Hey folks, Mulan Labe Saturday. This is Philip Naiman. FiringLineRadio.com is where you want to go for the podcast. Now, one of our product sponsors, and we do have some some great ones. But one of them is McMillan fiberglass stocks. So if you shoot long range rifles or hunting rifles, or you just want to upgrade your game, you really need to take a look at those. And one of the blessings we've had as a product sponsor is we're able to give some of these away. McMillan has a new polymer stock, the MC3. And we have a long action, short action. We have it in the tactical style. We have it in the hunting style. But we're giving these away. And we're giving these away to people who subscribe to the podcast. I've done a couple different things, but this is the one we want to push right now. So you go to FiringLineRadio.com. Scroll down the page. You will see a whole list of our podcasts. There's a little funny button that says subscribe. Try that. <laughs> I don't want to give away the whole secret, but I would try that button there. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast. I'll get the notification. I will do a random drawing. Now, random drawings mean I pick one out of the hat, and there's only two rules. First rule is whiners never win. Rule number two is if you whine, look at rule number one. So we'll pick a random person. You know, I don't have an official way to do this other than to pick somebody randomly and go from there. These stocks, though, are uh, for Remington 700, so just keep that in mind. Anyway, folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show, FiringLineRadio.com is where you need to go for the podcast. Now, with me, I have Stan Campbell. We've just spent some great time with him going over the mindset of self-defense and, and CCW Safe and what they do as far as as protecting you after the fact, mm-hmm. which is which is absolutely critical. But I want to jump over here to uh, Jason and Mike. Now, you guys have been sitting here having a good time, I hope, but you guys are in a competitive sport 
for shooting that takes a lot of practice and discipline. So Mike, I'm going to start with you here. Um, why did you get into this and um, what are you, what are you doing, man? I just kind of fell out. Um, my, uh, I have one of my cousins shoots a lot of three gun and for months and months and months, he bugged me. Hey, come pick, you know, come, come shoot a match with me. Come shoot a match. And I always had excuses. just like, you know, everybody else that I try to bug to bring, you know, to a match. And, um, uh, first one there, I was hooked, had absolute blast. I ended up coming like 16th out of like 90. And I was like, oh, you know, it was pretty, you know, it was a lot of fun. And that was a rifle only match. Um, so that's one gun. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the first one. So I didn't have a shotgun at the well, time. Welcome, Mike. Yeah, welcome. Didn't have a shotgun at the time, and uh, everybody there was just so friendly, so helpful. Like, hey, you know, I see you doing this wrong. Try this. You know, hey, you want to run my gear? Here's bigger mags. There's a shotgun you can use. There's some caddies you can use. And I was hooked. And you know, slow, slowly but surely, started picking up gear. And all right, so three gun. Tell me what exactly for people who not don't know about three gun. What exactly is that? Uh, pistol, rifle, shotgun competitions. A lot of steel, a lot of paper, a lot of clays. Everything. A so lot of running and gunning. So pretty much you'll stage a rifle and a shotgun, or maybe you start with something, either yeah. a rifle and a shotgun, or you'll have them staged on the course, right? Correct. So take, walk me through a typical store. Say say you start rifle, go to go to shotgun, and finish with carving. Tell me how that would work. So the cool thing about these three-gun matches is they're never two staged to the same. Some are pistol shotgun, some are rifle shotgun, some are, you know, it hand, could be... Hand any, grenade. Yeah. Any combination of the three in any order you know, multiple base stages and there's targets all over the place and it's just a good time to go out there and have fun. It takes a lot of practice. You got to know your gear. Um, you got to stay on top of your game. These guys are really good out there, but it's a blast. So, so, so when the, you know, they say timer ready or shooter ready, go and walk me through the stage. What are, what are you looking at? Um, so before the stage starts, they give you a couple of minutes to kind of walk through, have a game plan. Like, you know, okay, I'm going to pick these targets up here, reload on the way, maybe drop, my pistol, grab my shotgun, clean up the rest of the stage. If it's a shotgun, now in, in three stage. gun, do you put the pistol down or do you reholster? You're not supposed to reholster a hot gun. So there's usually a dump barrel or something like that to lay your pistol, shotgun, or rifle down in. Okay. But yeah, it's all three pistol, rifle, shotgun. It's a lot of fun. And how many shots fired in one typical stage? So we just got a new match director over at the West End Gun Club, and he is really, really high round count, heavy kind of guy. There's spinners and lots of stuff that, you know, I'm not really used to shooting. Um, I would say probably 40 or 50 rifle rounds, probably four or five mags through my pistol. And, you know. In one stage. Yeah, and 20, 25 rounds of shotgun. <laughs> It's a lot when you step on the stage and you're full of gear. All your weapons are loaded. Your belt's loaded. There's you know your yeah, guns are loaded. Forty five pounds on you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, okay, okay. So how many stages do you do? Um, it's usually five stages in a day. So you're looking about five hundred rounds of ammo. It's an expensive hobby. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so the shotgun, just number seven shot, because all you're doing is knocking over. Sometimes there's, you know, targets that require slug shots. There's targets okay. that require double op buck, and most of it's bird, but they do throw those in there. And, you know, the spinners, you want, you know, the heavier the heavier bird shot, maybe slip in a little buck shot just to help that spinner out a little bit because they put them kind of far sometimes. It's it's definitely a challenge. Very cool. And is that your favorite is three gun, or is that just where you started? Um, it's definitely my favorite. Okay. Definitely my favorite. So... You just walked down the street here to uh, to Bubba's Sports Emporium, right, and, and bought this particular pistol that's on, on, on the... Uh... Definitely not. This is um, an off-roster pistol. I looked for probably six, seven months before I found 
two that were available in California, and one of them got stolen out from underneath me, but this one I was able to get a hold of. So give us a rundown on this. And this is the gun that you're using for precision or uh, practical pistol, yep. and this is also your three-gun Correct. Pistol? Right. Yeah, I shoot the uh, the open division. So this is uh, an STI Truebore. Hold it up. STI Truebore. It's got a Seymour on it. Um, Caliber? 9 mil major. It's pretty reliable. What does major mean? Um, so it's a major power factor, so it has to be a little bit hotter. Um, instead of running like four or five grains of powder, you're running eight or nine grains of powder just to get that power factor up there. But it actually runs a lot smoother with the major power factor ammo because of the compensator on here. So now on this, this is the STI frame. No, keep holding it up. STI frame. So on the back half of it, it has a palm safety like 1911. Yeah, it's right? it's so, a 1911 style pistol. Style. 2011. Right. But it has a uh, staggered magazine. Mm-hmm. Double stack. Nine so, and it can hold how many rounds? Um, you can get them up to like 28 with but, some work. 28? Yeah, 28 rounds in a mag. Wow. It's like airsoft, man. <laughs> right? It's, I think so. I don't think, I think airsoft's off to 26. I think yeah. you're right. <laughs> but it's a single action. Yep. So you have ambidextrous safeties on that. Yep. And Big old thumb ramp on this side. Yeah, huge thumb ramp on that side. Now, there's a little stick, I'm going to call it a stick, on the right-hand side of the slide. Correct. That is the charging handle. Mm-hmm. And that's because your optic sight don't allow you to get a very good grip. Yeah, right? between the safeties and the optics, is it's a nightmare to get a hold of this thing. I mean, you can't rack it from the front. You can't rack it from the back. You have to have something to get a hold of this slide. And it's a very light spring on that. Yes. So one of the issues you can have with a very light spring and a very, very nice trigger, sometimes you don't get percussion, right? Yeah. So, and, and one of the things I noticed wasn't your gun so much, but one of the other guys we were shooting with, he had a lot of problems with the gun not firing. Yeah. I mean, he was just racking, dropping hot rounds because it just wasn't going off. So he, something was out of tune on that. Talk a little bit about that. So on this style pistol, because you're running a 9 mil major, it's a little harder on all the equipment that's in there. Um, these are known for being a little finicky as far as extraction goes because if you have this huge height hanging over the ejection port. Um, also, the extractors... We'll take a beating in here. So huge height over the ejection port. So what that means is sometimes a shell can come up, hit the optic. And fall right back in the hole. Before the slide closes. So now you've got a jam issue. So that that can happen just the way it works. The optic you have on that is what? This is a a Seymour, old-fashioned Seymour. Just a huge window with a monster dot in it. Okay. Well, how big is the dot? Uh. 5 MOA, I believe this one is. All right. So 5 MOA, what that means, I mean, your, your MOA, if you remember that from our rifle days, guys, it's a measurement. It's minutes of angle. 5 MOA means that that dot looks like a 5-inch circle at 100 yards. Correct. Which, uh, 9mm major, probably would still be a point-blank shot with that gun. Maybe you'd be hitting it towards the bottom of the dot at 100. Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. So what's nice about that is is for this type of shooting... There's combat precision, and then there's precision, like in precision rifle, right? Combat is, look, center mass, put two in, not hit the plate. And, and what I liked about the practical pistol was just hit the plate. Didn't have, it wasn't a point off if you were to the right of the plate or the left of the plate. It's, yeah. You hit the stinking plate and move on. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun. Um, but it's interesting because you can use a sighting system like that and use it for multiple distances because as it gets larger, your bullet drop kind of falls into that same circle. Correct. Correct. And the cool thing about three gun is it's two hits on the paper anywhere. 
There's no points down, nothing you have to worry about, A zone. So you're just running and gunning as fast as, as, fast you, can. as you can. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the front end of that, the compensations that you have on that when we come back. 9mm major, do you load your own? Yes. Do you have to for 9mm major? Is that a, a something you can buy? Um, not really. You have to load your own. You have to That's load your the own. the best way to do it. Very good. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio. We'll be right back here with Mike Zingali, Jason Mayashiro, and Stan Campbell after this. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. We're coming back here with got Stan Campbell, Jason Mayashiro, Mike Zingali. Uh, Mike's just going over his, his STI pistol here. Now, this is a pretty much space gun. Okay? I mean, it, it's a good should, name for it. And and uh, the slide on this, you're shooting a 9mm major. Correct. You've got some grooves taken out to lighten the slide, I'm imagining. Yeah. Help so the, with cooling and lighten the slide. Yep. They cut a bunch off the back where the uh, rear sight would go. They mm-hmm. actually try top the slide, so they take a lot of weight off the slide, and then they also do cut the top of the slide as well, just to save weight. You save weight, but you're also putting an optic on it. So in order for for it to cycle, you know, you can't have too heavy of a slide. So yeah. if you had a full-length slide and had the optic and compensated, you might run into dependability issues. Correct. Right. So the compensator on the very front of that, you've got four slots across the top, two on the side. What is the purpose of that? Just keep the gun flat. Keep yeah. it flat. Let you know, follow up shots. Keep you quick. You can run this thing like a like a drag car, pretty much. It's a very specialized piece. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Jason, I'm gonna cut over to you here. Now, you've been running um it's not a production gun, but a semi custom firearm now and that's your model 34 right yes uh, glock 34 yeah glock 34 you've had some some special stuff done on that for idpa why don't you give us a little bit of rundown on that um my my favorite part about this whole gun is the agency arms trigger it's a flat shoe trigger and i can just um i feel it i just feel it at 20 uh, up to 40 yards and i uh have a tendency to yank left and right now who does less <laughs> well that's the thing about glock i remember when i um First started, I was yanking, and then I changed it to this trigger, and it was it was gone. It was easier to feel. Mm-hmm. Okay, do I still do it? Of course, if I'm not focused, if my grip isn't there. But uh, I have no excuse now. Yeah. So, where, tell me about this agency trigger. Um, I just 
and Stan takes a look at it here. It's it's flat. It's straight down, and it has a little uh, cut on the bottom to kind of give you a little purchase point, so you know exactly where you are on that trigger. Will it have the uh, like the little Glock safety tongue on it? Yes, it's on there as well. Yeah, so, they preserved it. Um, it's a drop-in trigger. That um, well, that's nice. That, yeah, it's really nice. So it's all polished, ready to go. Um, it's about three and a half pounds. I don't like it too light, even though it's competition. I'm just trying to keep it pretty realistic. Nothing lower than three. I don't change any of the springs. You know, three, I think three and a half pounds is great on a gun, even for a defense gun. I think if you go any lighter than that, you could have some issues. We had a guy at Practical Pistol. He was having he was having a problem with his reset. He was he was still on, coming down from recoil and setting off another shot a couple times. Yeah, yeah I need to feel it. And you know, I've um, played with some of my friends' guns that the reset is almost non-existent, and I just I don't get it. I can't. I, 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 I need something. I need, goes, I, I need a click. I need a reset to push me out. And um, I mean, the guys at agency, so I went to them about three years ago. They were way out past Camarillo. And they cut this slide for me. This is actually the very first slide that I um, gave them. They cut this RMR. Uh, and then I found at IDPA, you can't use optics. Ah. So I went to and bought another gun, and they cut that as well. And I put a trigger, and um, they um, did the serrations for me. Uh, and right now, I'm super excited because uh, Agency Arms is doing a Delta Point Pro uh, slide cut for me. So um, that should be coming in a few weeks. And I went to go visit them about mm, six, seven weeks ago. And they're just, they're awesome. Shout out to my buddy Mike Parts out there at Agency <laughs> Arms, man. It is it is so much fun. It's just, I was there three years ago when they started and they're huge now. It's like a candy store, right? It really was, man. And it was it's not good. It's not good to go there. With, with, and I had like three credit cards on me. It was a bad idea. <laughs> crack at it. it it's, it's wonderful there. I mean, I um, they're, they're precision, and right. I demand it. So what else did they do on this? So they um, is basically they polished the internals, um, the sl- uh, the cut for the RMR. Um, I stippled it myself because when I'm, you're saying RMR, mm-hmm. what is RMR? Oh, I'm sorry, just a um, a uh, red dot uh, optic on there that I'm probably going to switch to my carry because this RMR is not ideal for competition. Uh, it's more defensive. Now, did you say that IDPA does not allow you to, to use optics? It did not until this year. Because so, everybody's getting older, right? Yeah, and actually, <laughs> the reason why you switched to optics is because I started missing headshots. And I couldn't figure out why. End of last year, just started missing headshots, 7, 10 yards off, and uh, realized my vision was starting to be an issue. And mm. uh, thank God, carry optics uh, are good to go for IDPA because it's, um, I've embraced it. It's taken a little bit of time to get used to. It was a pretty sharp learning curve there, but um, I had some great encouragement, some friends, and um, starting to get the hang of it. Do you even have sights on that front side? I front pulled sight? the sights off of here because I had suppressor sights on there, and it just clouded the entire window. I couldn't see a thing. Um, Meaning they were so high. They were very high, yeah, yeah. and uh, they were black, black. So basically, I only had about you know. Right. Three quarters of an inch to really look through. And, uh, I guess you only got one time to say black, black. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. That's what it said on the box, man. Okay. That's what it okay. said on the box. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there were hiney sights. That's what it said, black, black. <laughs> well, you had you had a different uh, front sight on your other pistol. Um, there was like a... Yeah, it was a, a TTI, Terran Tactical. The red one? Yeah, that was on my uh, my iron sights, correct. And I just swept, swapped out the uh, the slide. So I was curious about that, if if you would run a front sight on it with an optic. I mean, because sometimes, well, this is a halogen or a um, hologram, isn't it? Hologram. So it's always on. It's always on. Right. As opposed to yours, which is a, yours is battery. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's actually a little, uh, these little oddball batteries actually for this guy. Yeah. So yours can go dead. This one can't. Well, you know, I'm sorry. No, this, um, I just keep it on, but it is a um, projection. Okay. Yeah. 
Right. And the battery life on these RMRs are ridiculous. You can keep it on. Or so yeah, you can keep it on for like a year and a half. No need to turn it off. Yeah, not this one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not I this remember one. Uh, when you guys were shooting, I was picking it up, turning it on, yep. getting ready. Because yep. last thing you want to do is shoot it ready, go. No. Yeah, where's no, my dog? No, no. <laughs> so that's why I was curious if you'd leave the front post on just in case something like that happened. But obviously not. It's a probably a good idea, Phil, to be honest with you, yeah, for competition. Yeah, just in case. Yeah. Anyway, so um, you're running the Glock. One of the other things you did uh, is lightening the slide. Right? Uh, not so much. It was just front serrations cut in there. Yeah, well, I see a it. giant hole across the top well, of that Well, that's slot. how the 34s are. Okay. Yeah, 34s so come stock that, that one came. Yeah, and I added a magwell, and I did like an undercut on the trigger guard. and uh, Hold up the undercut on the trigger guard, because this is what I think Glock sucks. Um, yeah. That's I, very skeletonized. Now, when if you have a high grip on your Glock, right, which you're supposed to have, you're going to run across the top of your middle finger with a very square, solid piece of plastic that just feels like it sucks. It's like, I don't know what they were thinking about that. It's via German. We make these things this way. This is what it is. Boss is los. So Austrian. But, <laughs> but it's plastic, so you're able to modify it easily. I mean, I took a – I think I had a – shot of whiskey and a rat tail file on mine and <laughs> and we just modified away till it fit my hand and I had a good grip but that's actually professionally done um, and that way you get a much higher purchase and the higher the reason you want to have a higher grip on your gun is to get closer to that bore line and then you can control the behavior of the recoil and um, I think uh, Stan and I we were laughing about this last time because you know it's, it's basically arts and crafts on your gun mm. you know, you're really just <laughs> trying to get it tailor made to yourself and not only did I do the undercut but also did a knuckle cut um, which makes a big difference. And uh, it just, you know, after the lonely hundreds of hours of dry firing that I do, I just can't afford to have any raw pieces of skin flaking off. And, and um, you know, in order for me to have longevity, I had to, um, you know, just look at my gun and see and really play with it and see what my hand liked, what it didn't like. I, I think that's very intelligent. Like I said, it's not comfortable. I mean, uh, one of the great things about the 1911 style is it's just a comfortable. Yeah, extremely every, comfortable. Everybody, you know, or even the CZ style, like the one that, that's over here with Stan, you know, those are very ergonomically created from the beginning, but Glock just didn't do that. And so you have the ability to make those those changes. Uh, Jason, when's your next competition? Uh, this Saturday. So, Sunday. 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 Yeah. So uh, folks, hear the, hear the show on Saturday and Sunday morning. Go out. Are you at uh, what, uh, Prado? At Prado. We'll be at Prado. Out there at Prado for IDPA. And take the rest of the show here. Tell them what is IDPA. International Defensive Pistol Association. And it's uh, at Prado we run eight stages. We have a warm-up stage, um, paper target steel. Um, eight squads will probably be will start at eight a.m., eight thirty, be done by two. Right, but IDPA it's it's concealed carry practice. Correct. Okay, so well for me it's important because it's yeah you know, I got two girls and um, although I don't have CCW in California I am aware and I need to know. Uh, how to protect my kids I've in my house. Seen, I've seen your girls. Just give them a sword. They'll be fine. They're fine. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Kendo. They're Kendo girls. They're, okay. They that was, that was one of those jokes, though. No. Yeah. no I, seriously. <laughs> he follows me on Instagram. Oh, that's okay. I'm going to start following you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. They're, they're, I think you do. They're impressive. So, well, it's important because it's it's concealed carry practice. So you have to practice clearing your clothing, drawing, doing a draw stroke from where you carry. Now, they don't allow appendix carry in the competition, they do not. It's not safe. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so, but, but from an outside or inside the waistband holster on your side, 
draw, fire, and that kind of practice is amazing. Eight stages, you're shooting 25 to 30 rounds a stage. Realistic um, scenarios as well. Yeah. Know, shooting our way out. Yeah, sitting on, sitting down, getting up, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, I like the cartwheel stage. That was good when you had to do the cartwheels and the backflip. That was impressive. <laughs> I, Especially with that gun retention. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, I want to thank my special guests. I got Stan Campbell, Jason Mayashiro, Mike Zingali. We'll be, uh, well, I hope you have a great weekend. Hope it dries up for us. Folks, uh, God bless you. BrianLineRadio.com. Shoot, Felipe! Shoot! When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. The Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. CCW Safe. Cutting Edge Bullets. Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino. Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.